Is there a more colorful player in the entire NFL than Rob Gronkowski? Am I the only one that's like totally annoyed by Rob Gronkowski and just I'm just over yes. his his deal. You're over his deal. He's over. a caveman who happens to play football. Thank you. <laughs> well, there's a lot of those, but not all of them were like, oh, I have this book now and I'm now, signing. The story this is coming off of right here is a story I was just reading, which says Rob Gronkowski. Uh, now, maybe he doesn't understand what an autobiography is supposed to be. Now, Brent, let me go ahead and give you a little trivia moment here. What is an autobiography to you? Uh, it is a biography that's written by the the author himself. Okay. So or it's a, herself. It's a biography written by the person that the book is actually yeah, so about. If, so if there's an autobiography of Rob Gronkowski, it's theoretically supposed to be written by Rob Gronkowski. Okay. Like 100% supposed to be written by Rob Gronkowski, right? Like, am I, am I a prude? He's am I just, seeing things? Hey, he, he just right? admitted in an interview that he only has read 80% of his own autobiography. So how does that work exactly? Well, maybe he types with his eyes closed. Maybe one out of every five words, he's just like, shotgun, we'll just take a shot. We're just going to just random word. Or what's that game you play on your cell phone where you only click the middle of the uh, the speech option or whatever? Yeah. And you just get the really random long run-on sentence? Maybe that's how he wrote or the what's, autobiography. What's the word where you, uh, what is that uh, that game that you play where you have like a whole paragraph and there's just words missing and you fill in you give oh a, mad libs mad libs he's doing oh, the mad libs version except one out of every five words gronk libs gronk libs it's just missing one out of five words not there filled i would it in with blank words because he wasn't watching i would say though that you could actually like probably tell the autobiography of gronk through mad libs and you would not be wrong let, let me try this really quick okay rob gronkowski was at a party in uh, i don't know las vegas okay mm-hmm. and then he got really drunk on uh, everything, yeah. And let's see, new word. Uh, you, have to say, uh, uh, you have to say a liquid, though. It would be like a, a liquid. liquid. I would say uh, motor oil. Okay. And then he went up on stage in front of a bunch of people and spiked a uh, tambourine. Mm, pineapple. How about we just say? Oh wait, that really happened. He went to Vegas and spiked a pineapple in front of a bunch of. So I actually think there's some legitimacy to this. To this notion, but really, is this? Are we just celebrating dumb culture? Is that what we're doing yes. here? Is this like a Honey Boo Boo situation yes. or Jersey Shore? I mean, who is he that far away from Honey Boo Boo? I mean, he's <laughs> no, he doesn't live in the country. I think that's the only difference. Um, that's only because Boston drafted him. Could you imagine if he played like in in the Dirty South? If he was an Atlanta Falcon, man, what if played he played in Jacksonville? What if he was a Cleveland Brown? Oh. What would have been happen? What would happen to his career if he had been a Cleveland Brown the entire time? If if Rob Gronkowski was a Cleveland Brown, I thought we weren't going to rip on the Browns today. Well, I didn't. You're going to. Oh yes, <laughs> thanks. Thank you for the lob. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take this to the hoop. Uh, if if Rob Gronkowski was Cleveland, Brown, he would be out of the league already because of his buffoonery and the fact that there'd be nobody there that could have possibly thrown him the ball the way Tom Brady throws him the ball. He's the number one, number two, and number three options in New England. And even when he gets hurt, they could still win Super Bowls regardless. Well, hold on. He's uh, a champion, sir. I agree he's the number one, but isn't the number two option still Aaron Hernandez? I mean, last I watched, oh. that dude was killing it. Oh, boy. Um, he was murdering it, son. <laughs> he was deflating heads. <laughs> Ooh. Can we not talk about that? <laughs> Is no, that I, bad? Is that poor taste? So uh, here's the deal, Brent. Aaron Hernandez will not be the number two receiver going forward. <laughs> what? He uh, might be the number two receiver in prison. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Speaking of which, hey, everybody. <laughs> You've made it to episode 102 of Raisin Brent. Brent. And I'm Ray. And I'm Brent. And uh, there's lots of stuff to talk about this week. I mean, obviously, Rob Gronkowski not reading his own autobiography, which... 
there's just what's that internet meme where it's just a guy being like ah uh, uh, yeah. and he just has nothing to say right that's me upon seeing that headline yeah and i wanted to talk about the cleveland browns you begged me let's not talk about right we cannot rip on this Cleveland Browns power struggle story today. Fine, we'll talk about that. Uh, there's a bunch of big deals that got signed this week. Like, we thought people were going to have That's to right. sign their franchise. A lot tenders. of free agency. Well, we'll have a whole segment about the NFL. Yeah. We'll have a whole segment about Major League Baseball. Oh, yeah. And I the promise. Central. I promise I will not rip on the Browns anymore this episode, no matter how hard you lob it up for me. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I'm going to try at least. Are you sure? I don't make any promise. Okay, I just did make a promise, didn't I? You know, you do have uh, a statement to read later. Okay, so for those who listened last week, uh, me and Brent, we made a little bet about the Home Run Derby and results of the All-Star Game, and it turns out that I lost both of them. Brent nailed the winner of the Home Run Derby as the... Hometown hero, the Todd Father! The Todd Father, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that I really, had, that's three years in a row I've called the winner of the home run derby. Is that crazy? Yeah, but I've won the home run derby. No, no, I always lose the home run derby. That's right. The chance of me, if, let's say if there's eight guys every year, the chance of me winning three years in a row, 512 to one. And not only that, Joanna Cespedes. Yeah. Of all the people to pick. Well, he's made for the home run derby. I'm there sorry. I guess so is Todd Frazier at his hometown. Uh, yeah. It's a good call. Well, he and he got second last year to Joanna Cespedes. There it is. Uh, so and you also picked the winner of the All Star Game. It was uh, kind of a bit what six to four. The AL defeats the NL. Very good game though. Very very good game. We'll talk about that a little bit. And yes, because I lost both of those bets, I will have a statement to read on air. Nice, great. It's and I saw you typing idea. it up. How long is this statement? It's. Uh, have you it's read really War and Peace? Long. Yes. Have you read War and Peace? No, I haven't. It's not. just like the war part, not the peace part. So, but like, the entire to book. To be fair, most of the, yeah. about, the book is about war. So, we omit the last two pages of the book <laughs> and just make it happen. All right, fair enough. Well, let's go ahead and get this started. We'll, we'll get right to this shame bet after three seconds of Real Big Fish. Sell out with me, oh yeah, sell out with me tonight. And this will be the part of the show that I definitely have not been looking forward to. Oh, well, why not? You're going to say a completely honest statement about something you really feel? So this particular shame bet that I have lost is the prepared statement shame bet, where one of us would read a statement on air as prepared by the other person. Brent, I believe this is, is this the first, no, this is the second one that I've lost. Yeah. You've lost, I think, three, three. of them. Yeah. Uh, mainly Catching. talking about how, you know, basically you admit that uh, 1997 Nebraska team uh, was a fraud and Michigan should have absolutely been undisputed national championships. Why don't we talk about old stuff? Uh, because that's all I've got at this point, oh, Brent. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> So, is, that, is that who you're becoming now? Talk about old stuff, guy? I'm becoming a, a Cowboys fan. Yeah, nice. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I have this completely official statement. that uh, I Of your opinions. Of my opinions and not anything Brent wrote at all. That's correct, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> you know, Brent, <laughs> I hate you already. I've been doing a lot of thinking, and here's the deal. I was completely wrong about the Royals. They are too legit to quit, and I don't know why I was so stupid that I just didn't see it. Wow! They should have had all eight all-star starters, and I have no problem saying it now. My shrink says that being honest will help me a lot, so I'm going to try and do that from now on. Mental health's important, right? (laughs) It's very important. Uh, Here's the other thing. This is a long statement. The Tigers are complete frauds, and I sincerely mean that. They can't pitch or hit or field, and they should really be relegated to the minor leagues. I mean, they're easily the worst team in the AL Central, and I believe the standings will reflect that by the end of the season. We all think that. Yeah. We should trade David Price to the Royals, so it's not embarrassing for him. I mean, seriously. Right. 
And I also got to say, I'm really worried about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, the way he couldn't answer simple interview questions with Colin Cowherd. Preach. Hmm. Preach. I, d- I don't think I can endorse the University of Michigan anymore. I just can't fake it anymore, Brent. <laughs> <sighs> I will now be following the Ohio State. What? what? Go Buckeyes. Also, Matt Stafford, more like Fat Stafford. Am I right? <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to my completely honest rant. I'm glad this is over. Wow, Ray, that I guess I don't uh, expect such honesty. I dare you. And lucidity yeah. from you. Yeah, yeah. Cohesiveness. Cohesiveness of thought. Uh, the way you constructed those paragraphs was amazing. Really, I think the big swerve here is the way I set 101 episodes straight of a certain like way, and then I completely turn it on its mm. head in 102. Yeah. It's like I'm a totally different person now. Correct. Well, thanks for putting that out for us, guys. Uh, Ray, thanks for li- saying that for us. And uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I bet you do. <laughs> I wonder how that happened. <laughs> how dare you? Really? You got me say, go Buckeyes? That's like the worst. What did I have you say? I'm not saying it again. Oh, you said it twice already. I did, but it was a mistake. What? <laughs> that thing. Saying what? About those terrible nuts. Oh, okay. Dare you. You mean go Buckeyes? How dare you. Please. You hate Ohio State almost as much as I do. Yeah, not nearly as much as you do, though. Well, you yeah. still hate them. Well, I don't. I don't. They're. I don't like them because they play against my team. But since when? When does Nebraska ever play Ohio State? For that matter, when does Nebraska ever play Michigan? When does Nebraska play anyone of merit in the Big Ten? Was that part of their contract? We beat. We beat Ohio State two years ago. You play Northwestern every year. You play yeah. Illinois and Minnesota oh, every year. Surprisingly Ooh. tough. At least you have your. Uh, you got your uh, rivalry with Riley. That's right. For the Ohio, Ohio, Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah. Well, but anyway, Major League Baseball. Todd Father. The Todd Father. What I didn't know was that anybody actually called him the Todd Father, and then I found out they were selling jerseys with Todd Father on it. Oh, yeah. And, like, the announcers, like, uh, Chris Berman. Yeah. The Todd Father. You thought I, I made it up? No, I thought Chris Berman made it up, and it was, like, one oh, of his okay. terrible, like, at this point, like, sad yeah. nicknames that he gives to players. Like, I remember a couple weeks ago, like, right before the All-Star break, uh, Cincinnati was playing somebody in, like, the bottom of the t- 12th inning or something. Right. And... Uh, Todd Frazier got up with the bases loaded, and they're like, and he hits a deep, a grand slam for the Todd Father, and the Tigers lose again. Ugh. You remember that game? I, I do. We watched it at my house. We watched the end of it. it was, uh, well, I remember. Well, here's what I remember. I remember me coming by so we could record the show, yeah. and you having it queued up on uh-huh. the DVR, paused, <laughs> waiting for me to come in yeah. for that at bat. Yeah. And you said, hey, the end of the game hasn't happened yet. I thought we'd pause it so you could watch it, Ray. I didn't want you to miss the end of the game. Yeah. uh, The game had happened like an hour previous. Well, sure. And you were pausing (laughs) it to troll. How dare you, sir? How dare I? I mean, I gave you an experience, something you wouldn't have seen. I have shown you the world. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? You know, like Aladdin. Like Aladdin. Yeah. You're basically Robin Williams as the genie. I put you on a magic carpet ride. Like you're Steppenwolf? Like, you're my Princess Jasmine, and I'm Aladdin. Oh, my goodness. Shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, Ray, when did you last let your heart decide? See, we're not that other podcast. Oh, we don't just, new world. We don't just recreate other plays and musicals on our show, Brent. That's not what we do. A whole oh, my goodness. point of view. No one to tell Ray no. Oh, where to go?
Are you done? Because now <laughs> I'm in a whole new world with you. So here, here's the question I have. Is I can <laughs> stop it. So there's uh, six division leaders right now. Yeah. Let me just. This is a little game. Maybe we could play. In maybe the it'd be League? interesting. Uh, well, in the, in the, in the Major in League the, Baseball. Major League Baseball. Yeah. Yes. So the leaders of the divisions. Uh, last I saw were the uh, Cardinals, the Nationals, and the Dodgers in the National League. Correct. And the Yankees, the Royals, and the Angels in the American mm-hmm. League. Yeah. My question is, I mean, all six of those teams are kind of good. Is there which team is the most likely to fall out of first place and lose their division? And uh, how many teams or are all six going to go on to the uh, win their divisions? Hmm. Well, I can. I you got to think somebody's going to fall, right? Somebody's going to fall. But you look at those teams. I mean, the Yankees would be the obvious choice for me, but that division is absolute trash this year. Yankees. I believe you know the Dodgers could have a little bit of a time with the with the <clears throat> Giants down the stretch. If the Giants get healthy again. Are the Giants coming back at all? Because they were like last place the last time I even paid attention. Oh, they to were in first place for a while. They're only three and a half back. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, I thought they were struggling. They were but struggling very hard early in the season. They've got Hunter Pence out again now. You know, he's so, back. Yeah, he's back. He but didn't he get deal. hurt again? Uh, well, he got hurt twice. He yeah. just came back the second okay, time. Okay, second time. So you know that uh, Angels seems like they're going to pull away from Houston, but you never know. I that mean, that Houston the, team is ninja good, yeah, man. Yeah. I tell you what. Uh, I would definitely like put some stock in that Houston team mm-hmm. now that they have the power of uh, Ryan Domit. But you'd have to probably bet on the Yankees because just because everyone is pretty close, there's four, four and a half, and five back are the next three teams. Yeah, I mean the Cardinals. I just I don't see the Cardinals really taking a step backwards. Although Pittsburgh's coming real hard right now. Pittsburgh almost has as good a record as the Royals, unless I'm mistaken. They're a couple games behind the Royals, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, pretty close. Uh, they beat the Royals last night, but they just got swept by Milwaukee, too, coming out of the break. Milwaukee, uh, though, all of us, when they fired their manager and hired what Craig Council to be their new manager, like they're mm-hmm. super good now. Now they're only 17 and a half games back. Right. No, so... they're still not going anywhere this year, but they're not a team. They were a team you wanted to face in the first two months, not the last three. Right. Like, that's a team that's playing with heart all of a sudden out of nowhere. What about love? <laughs> really? I can't bring up heart without. Well, don't you want someone to care about you? I want a mother. What about love? That's what I'd like right now. <laughs> so yes, that's you the Brewers. Need it someday. The Brewers are asking, "What about heart? Yeah, or what about love? Yeah. I can't even think straight anymore. Too much singing in this segment. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I can show you the world. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you can. Uh, make sure when you put the episode out this week, hashtag Aladdin. <laughs> Aladdin presents, <laughs> and I will do that, ladies and gentlemen. And I guess I just thought that was a fun little uh, uh, mental game to play. Like, which team is likely to fall? I mean, I'm not even worried about wild cards yet because w- too much can shake out. Too many teams are still into it for the wild card right mm-hmm. now. But just which of those division winners? Because all six of those teams seem, on paper, super strong uh, and not necessarily going to lose their spot, with the one exception, like I say, being the Yankees. Well, but who's going to catch the Yankees? The so Orioles? Since I picked five of those six teams, I'm going to go with the team I didn't pick, which is the Yankees. Oh, there I'm you go. say that Baltimore is going to catch oh, them. I think you say that. Boston's going to catch them. I picked Baltimore to win the division. Oh, did you? Yeah. I thought we both picked Boston. No, no I picked Boston to be a wild card. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So we're still frauds, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So here we go. Look out, Orioles. You're coming in the second half because Brent's on baseball fire right now. That's right. Well, Boston is only five games out of the wild card. Don't remind me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if we're in the wild card. We're probably no, not are. at this point. You are. Well, you're not in the wild card. Let's see. We're tied for it? or we're, we're near the wild card. The Your Detroit Astros. Tigers. Eight, you are four games out of the wild card. So, I mean, manageable. Yeah. 
But in any case, there's our baseball. There's your prepared statement, you bum. Oh, I was wrong. The wild, the, the Red Sox are like not five games out of the wild card. They are eight and a half. <laughs> so they're done. Still yeah. manageable. Possibly. Make that but... trade, Boston. They, are they going to trade for three starting pitchers? Save Cole Hamels from Philadelphia and save my fantasy team at the same time. Here's my question to you, Ray, because I've heard this all over talk radio. Yes. I've heard oh, Detroit uh, is going to be big sellers at the deadline. I've also heard the opposite. Oh, yeah. well, they, they need to pick up a couple guys so they can get back in it. Which I, I think, one do you think will happen? Well, it all depends on what happens over the next like uh, month leading up, or the next two, three weeks. Yeah, because the twenty. Well, actually, the 29th is the deadline, so it's next. Oh, okay. I'm used to it being in early August. So. Yeah, I believe it's the 29th. Is but here, deadline. at the end of the month, so we have a couple of weeks. If the yeah, team, one week. If the team goes on a skid and suddenly just starts dropping games, mm-hmm. you, they might turn into sellers. I don't see that, though. I think they're in win-now mode, especially with Miguel Cabrera still being in the prime of his career. Here's a question, though. Do you think that... Uh, I mean, where's David Price? Because if he's not going to sign a long-term deal, That's don't the whole you deal. have to... You don't have to move him because uh, they, they got him for last year, and they had Scherzer, remember, they didn't get the long-term deal, and they didn't trade him either for value. Yeah, Only look because how well were, that worked out. He's throwing it. one hitters every week. Well, yeah. Not, not for us in the playoffs last year. Well... That's the problem. Sure. Um, but I, I think they're going to keep Price all the way through the end of the season and then try to resign him. Uh, I think they have the money to work with. I mean, uh, Little Caesars, you know, I, I keep go- getting those hot and now uh, hot and ready pizzas. God, but you, and I, so I, I'm hoping that my uh, why do you clientship want, alone will get David Price but on board. Why do you want to compete? But like, if you sign him during the season, you're just negotiating with yourself. Oh, no, you okay? have to wait till the end of the season. Like, if you think the season is lost and you're ready to abandon ship, you trade David Price to another American League team who isn't the Royals. So therefore, guarantee the Royals cannot actually win the World Series. Well, David Price got lit up in the playoffs last year, anyway. So yeah, well, he only had one game. Yeah, and it was because of, because of his bad start. One that was enough. <laughs> yeah, I think you trade him to the Washington Nationals. You uh, you, you just really set that team up for the uh, victory. Him and really? Scherzer showing uh, that they can get it done. I don't know that Washington has enough money to to get one. I mean, if anybody, I think it'll be the like the Dodgers. I would love that. Yeah, David Price pitching for the Dodgers. Yeah, would be amazing. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. People out here in LA right now are very excited about the Dodgers potentially winning the World Series. Yeah, they're they're poised to make a run. I mean, wh- you know, I don't know where David Price is from, but I'm trying to get into his head. Like, where do you, where would he like to pitch? And I'm thinking about where he has pitched in the past. Well, Tampa. He was in Tampa. That's a pretty big stadium. He's in Detroit. That's a pretty big stadium. Anaheim, pretty big stadium. Dodgers is a pretty big stadium. But let's face yeah. facts. David Price isn't exactly going to uh, decide who which team trades him to where. Well, but he probably is able to say, yeah, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to do this. You know, I, mean, I don't know maybe if Maybe to no a point, clause. but I mean, if Detroit basically says we're going to abandon ship right now, we're going to trade you to a team that has potential to win the World Series, I don't think regardless of the team, he's going to say no. Right, but if you're saying teams that could win the World Series, that's not that many teams either. Yeah, know? it's just the Tigers and the Dodgers. <laughs> that's it, right? <laughs> that's how I see it. I'm just saying, like, Angels could use upgrade at starting pitching, too. There you go. Uh, you're right. The Royals, even if they had the money, there's no way Detroit would trade unless you know the Royals gave them their whole farm system, which mm. is not going to happen either. Well, we're not trading with the Royals, period. Yeah. Let's just keep, keep it yeah. real for five seconds. That's has n- that ever happened? I'm sure it has, but nothing that big in division with us. Gosh, how terrible would that be? Like, you trade David Price away, and then he's just killing you the next... <laughs> Yeah, if you well, the royal the only reason they would trade him to the Royals is because they know he's not going to resign there. They don't have they're not going to put money up. They didn't put money up for James Shields, despite the fact what he did in the playoffs last year. He didn't do anything in the playoffs. What he got them about? all the way to the World Series no, single handedly. I think we can agree on that. He pitched terribly in the playoffs, and then finally showed his true colors as a Royal in Game Seven. He didn't pitch in Game Seven. Yeah, but... he showed his true colors by not even showing up. <laughs> Boom. Uh, in any case, we got to move on. Uh, go Tigers. So we'll be right back after three seconds of. Cole Porter. Love for sale. Who will buy? 
So we're going to go around the horn a little bit uh, as far as the NFL is concerned. We are? Oh, where's Tony Kornheiser? Is he here? That's pardon the interruption. Where's uh, Tony Kornheiser? Ladies and gentlemen, bring to the show Tony Kornheiser, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'm cranky. That's my Tony Kornheiser okay, Tony, impression. Too cranky. Get out of here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so the Chiefs. I thought you weren't part of the interruption, you, by the way. You. Yeah. Really? <laughs> so you bring it up to me that the Chiefs, Mike DeVito. Now, first off, who is Mike DeVito? Mike DeVito. Oh, he's a line, backup linebacker. So is he like twins with uh, Mike Schwarzenegger? He is a he is a tough player. He's one of those guys who we brought from somewhere else. I was like a big tough dude. Well, you said it's a really big deal because he says we're building a bully on defense. Yeah. We're the team that nobody's going to want to play on Sunday. And I'm like, what training camp is that message not being like broadcast from? People, I guarantee it, in Tennessee Titans, people in Jacksonville Jaguars, every other bad team besides the Chiefs out there are all coming to camp with that same physical mentality. This is not special. This is not news. This should be nothing to be excited about. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan is saying, literally, I heard an interview with him. A couple days ago, and he said, we're building a bully on defense. Michigan's going to be the team that no other team wants to play on Saturday. So is that just something that everybody says then? That we're yes. Bully? Okay, well then, I guess moving on to the next topic Only then. one player in the entire NFL can say, I'm building a bully. Richie Incognito. <laughs> Only Richie Incognito has the right to actually say that. Oh, man. And then he's going to take your lunch money. I wonder if the guy has to go incognito places now. Well, he's in Buffalo now, which is about as incognito yeah, as a location gets. Fair enough. And of all the coaches that would take his chance on Richie Incognito, what are the odds Rex Ryan would be the guy? I saw an article. That, uh, what do you think about this? I saw, uh, maybe it was an interview somewhere, maybe I was watching the NFL Network, and they were talking about, you know, Rex Ryan's, uh, as his weight's gone down, he's got to be a worse coach. <laughs> <laughs> now that he's skinny, he's a terrible coach. I mean, there's some truth to that, perhaps. I mean, look at Andy Reid. Stayed fat. Keeps Still winning. Still good. Keeps yeah. winning. <laughs> I mean, who's that coach for Kansas? The guy who weighed over north of 300 pounds? The guy looked like a giant walrus had been beached on the shores? Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. I'm a terror. I should look that up. But anyway. Mark Mangino? Oh, yes. Yes. There we go. That's his name. I'm thinking Eric Mangini. I think that though. dude is the biggest of all those guys we talk about. He's the biggest. He's definitely the biggest But presence. they're not winning, though. They, they don't win, though. Well, he's also not the coach there anymore, so I don't know what happened Correct. With that. That's what I'm saying. So, our theory doesn't hold weight, I guess. You know. Oh, jeez. Really? I didn't even mean that. Really? I didn't even mean that. To that just <laughs> that just happened. I didn't even realize I was making a pun until I said it right. I'll be honest with you. Gracious. I would tell you. <laughs> so, well, speaking of the Cleveland Browns. Wait, we were not speaking about the Cleveland Browns. Weren't we? No. You really want to talk about the Cleveland Browns? Oh, yeah, I promised I wouldn't. Fine. No, go ahead, Ray. You well, there is a Cleveland so Browns story I could talk about. Okay, fine. Okay, so the Cleveland Browns are having a front office power struggle between their head coach, Mike Pettin, and uh, Farmer, their GM. Apparently, Pettin just fired a very pro-Farmer uh, conditioning coach or something, a guy who's uh, there to develop young talent, who was in the pocket of the GM and reporting back and was very loud to the coach, Pettin, talking about uh, overstepping his boundaries and asking questions that were maybe coming straight from the GM. Also, he's the same guy that got the inappropriate text messages from the GM in the middle of the game, thus causing the GM farmer to be suspended for four games and they call it a power struggle in cleveland i thought if there was going to be a power struggle there would be something worthwhile to fight over when i see two bums on a subway car fighting over a pretzel rod i don't think to myself power struggle no i don't think to myself at all when i see that i just yell bum fight (laughs) You bring out your cell phone camera and hope to get rich. 
<laughs> Dear Lord. No, but can you really call that a power struggle? Like, I guess you can. I mean, this is the NFL in theory in Cleveland. I guess. I mean, are, are these all just articles that we read that are just like non-stories that they're trying to make stories? Because they're waiting for training camp. Yeah, it's almost like there's one month away from the first preseason game, which, by the way, I mean, you know, we're only like two weeks away from the first preseason game. Uh, August 9th, the Hall of Fame game. What, Pittsburgh and Minnesota, I think, or something like that? Yeah. And I'm ready for it. I'm. Are you ready for some football? Are you ready for some football? Yes. A Monday night party. Uh, he actually does not do that anymore. After you got Ray and Brandon Dufresne. <laughs> gonna get the party started. We just pulling back the curtain and reveal that your dog Dufresne is here in studio. That's right. Dufresne heard his name. He's like, "What? Time for me to get on the mic? Got to be plugging that third mic back yeah. in." He really does want to come on the air, though. That's very exciting. <laughs> It's passion for I him. love that we have our dog in the studio, my dog in the studio, even though David Knoll, deathly allergic to dogs. Oh, David Knoll, not allowed in studio. Dufresne, come yeah. on in. Hey. Doors open. Don't roll on David's... Oh, well. Yeah. If you're itchy, roll on David's coat. It's fine. <laughs> Somehow David's coat, allowed in studio, David is not. Well, Dufresne was cold. It happens. Yeah. You can't fight it. <laughs> so let's talk about these contracts real quick, because there were a lot of franchise players... Yeah. So, obviously, the big one that uh, everybody will be talking about uh, for years to come, uh, Steven Guskowski signs the big deal with the Patriots to be the kicker for the next... Yeah, I, that's that's kind of goes against the whole Patriot way, doesn't it? No. The one guy you take care of is the kicker. Everybody else hit the bricks. I guess. Ugh. They find an immortal kicker who's already... Can you believe Steven Guskowski's been in New England for 10 years already? Yeah. 10 years. So that means he's, like, on the downward spiral, probably. Not got for like, kickers. He's got like three more good years. No, the, the way the kickers work, it's the same way like they talk about like drinking while you're bowling, is the fact that the more the drink, you get better at it. So like kickers get better and better and better. And then all of a sudden, you hit that one point where you drink too much, then you're the worst bowler you're in the entire done. world. Yeah. yeah. Kickers are the same way. They're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. Now he's too old. And it happens over the course of like one game. Well, that's what I'm saying. All the more reason to not sign a six-year deal or whatever it was. 10,000-year deal with Methuselah oh, wow. to kick for the New England Patriots. So we also got, you know, all the, what is a trio of big wide receivers. Well, those are the big ones. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, burying, burying the, lead. the lead here, yeah. So we got Des Bryant shines, signs his big contract. Uh, we've got Demarius Thomas signed one for just slightly less than uh, Des Bryant. And good for him because the fact that Demarius Thomas got money even approaching what Des Bryant got. Des Bryant's a top three wide receiver in the NFL, if you ask me. Uh, I do I not think, think Demarius, Th- Demarius, Demarius Thomas is top Thomas 10. Too, are you kidding me? Top 10? I, okay. You know what I think of when I think of Demarius Thomas? Wings. <laughs> winners wings get wings. And winners. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, putting above uh, Des Bryant, I would say you could make the argument Calvin Johnson should be above Des Bryant. Mm. Even now, I think you could definitely say Calvin Johnson, who almost went for 2,000 years, 2,000 years, 2,000 yards two years ago. Yeah. Uh, definitely, as long as he's healthy. We're assuming everybody's healthy at this point. Right. Well, with the regression of Matt Stafford last year, we saw the real talent of uh, Calvin Johnson. Uh, still had a pretty good year, sir. He was rated number six in the NFL, top 100 by the players. Six. Respect. I think Jeff George was rated number six also. Jeff George was Jeff not George. rated number six as well. Um, but uh, the other t- elite wide receivers in the league, what do you have? Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. You've got A.J. Green. Yeah. You've got uh, Antonio. A.J. Green, needs to. did he sign a deal? He's on the last year of his deal, too. Probably, yeah. He's, yeah. he's next to get paid. And, and I think Julio is also. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Brown for the Steelers has yeah. now le- made that leap into there. I think Des Bryant is the best receiver in the league right now. My, my point is, I think I would put all those people above Demarius Thomas. So Demarius Thomas not in the top five. I mean, he like got, you bought he that got, a moment ago. He got all those yards with DeMarco Murray still running for like 1,500 yards last year. 
He's still got all those yards. Wasn't it like eighteen hundred? I mean, it was a lot. Yeah, of it yards. was a lot of yards. Yeah, they were burning him to the to the ground because like, they knew he'd go yeah. to the Eagles. Right, but uh, uh, yeah, Des Bryant's then, great. And then, of course, the crown jewel of the signings. Well, let's just lay it. Why again? We're burying the lead on this one. You know, the guy who almost broke the sack record last year, Justin Houston. Justin Houston for the six years. Which team again? Uh, I never heard of him. Kansas City oh, Chiefs. That's right. Touchdown, Kansas City. He signs now. Six years, 101. Record for linebacker. Do you think that the, uh, as far as front four goes, that the Chiefs have the no, the top of two players, to pick two players off the mm-hmm. defensive line? Do they, I, I, there's an argument here, do they have the best in the league as far as best two players on the defensive line? I mean, you could argue that. Or, who are you talking about, though? You talking about him and Tom Bahali, or are you talking about him and Dontari Poe? Um, t- well, I'm talking about Hali, but Poe is also good. Yeah, and we I, also drafted, you know, D. Ford's getting a lot of reps in, uh, I told you before I thought D Ford was a good pick. Yeah. Uh, the only question is uh, the only t- pair I would probably put above them would be. Uh, well, I can't say if you're saying D Ford, I can't say they're the top two because he's still coming. And not Tom Bahali. Tom Bahali's not as good as he still was. He is good. Well, it's basically the, it, they are the top two because uh, Houston is so good. Much in the same way that Pete Rose and Pete Rose Jr. are the father son hit kings, not because of what Pete sure. Rose Jr. did in the major leagues. Well, Justin Houston's a linebacker, so he's not. You know, on the line. Well, doesn't he play on the line often, though, and come on up? He does, but he also drops into coverage like 30% of the time. Interesting. So He's yeah. fast, is what you're saying. Yeah, he's a fast guy. So it's almost like he deserves a big contract or something. Right, and he's, he's only 25. Maybe he just turned 26. That's when you get paid. Yeah. yeah. That is when you get paid. Yeah. So whoops. I was talking to my buddy the other day, and he was like, yeah, I was like, do you think we should pay Justin Houston? He's like, yeah, you have to pay him. He goes, he's awesome. And I was like, well, you're just saying that because you only watched him play against your team, the Raiders. <laughs> I would think every player against the Raiders looks great yeah. over the last decade. I think mean, he had four, four and a half sacks the last game <laughs> against the Raiders. Hey, disruptive force. He is. Against teams that have look, completely mailed it in, he is a god. He, uh, look, he totally deserved to get paid. And I'm glad that they did. You can't let a pass rusher is such a premium position in the NFL. If you have an elite pass rusher, you can't let them go when they're unless they're like 30 years old already or something. Or unless they're asking for franchise-breaking money in Dominican Sue. <laughs> I mean, you I could still be think a great should, player. I still think you should have paid him. Uh, we were pay, We were offering him the highest contract in NFL history. For the record, we were, that's what we were offering him, and he said, I can get better money in Miami. Ray, Bye. Ray, I still think you should have paid him. Pay the man. Pay, he just didn't want to pay him. Pay this you man. You offered him nothing. You offered him minimum money. wage. He ain't paying minimum for minimum wage. wage. Minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> you going to think might be Giants on that one? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> I can't believe I actually picked that one up. <laughs> Dear Lord. In any case, uh, we got some true detective to talk about. Yeah. What an exciting episode. Uh, it, I Look, I, I'm i over these people that just. I, there's so many naysayers about this show online. I'm over it. I like this show. I like the slow burn. I like these characters. I don't care if it's not the same as the first season. You know what was going to be uh, like the first season? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing they would have presented would have been like the first season. Because if they had gone for big, like, weird, like, spectral twists, you would have seen them coming and been yeah. like, ah, didn't do it as well as season one. And if they try to do something totally different, ugh, not as good as season one. Where's my spectral twist? And I, I don't know if this will happen, but I think Colin Farrell is worthy of, like, Emmy consideration. He's Interesting. that good. Okay. He's great on this show. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about that in one yeah. second. Actually, after three seconds of Tenacious D. Play the best song in the world. Or I'll eat your soul. And True Detective, of course, episode five in the books. You loved it. I did. I thought it was a great episode. What did you like about it? Uh, I thought the Vince Vaughn scene where they were talking about adoption was 
amazing. That was Very a good acting, acting scene. Good acting scene. I would absolutely say that. That scene when what's his name goes goes to get his money and his mom confronts him and says, "I know that you're gay," and I yeah, I know about the boys. Oh, I took that money. I earned it. I held you to my belly for nine months. Yeah, she was kind of a jerk in that scene. Yeah, good acting scene though. Yeah, it's just a whole bunch of good acting. It's scenes. almost like I like watching good acting, Ray. Uh, which is which is great. Except how about for the, the fact, scene? How, yes. about, how about the scene when uh, she's at her therapy? Eh, that scene didn't do much for me. That scene and, just made me uncomfortable. And she's like, just, she's just talking dirty intensely, and the, the counselor's like, I don't think we should say this. No, no, like, we're, no, no keep, let keep, her go. Let her play. Let, let her play. play. Yeah, that was a little <laughs> that was a little strange right there. I don't know. It's just that whole episode, like they had the one, probably the most exciting set piece of the entire season was that huge gunfight in the last 10 minutes of episode four. And then all I'm thinking about is just like, oh, man, oh, man, like what are these guys going to do? And, and then all of a sudden, what is this, like two weeks later? Well, what about this, though? We it's like find, an extended period of time find, after the gunfight. We find out a big thing was like Vince Vaughn said, hey, here's the guy that assaulted your wife, right? Yes. Okay. That was a huge plot And point. then all of a sudden we find out in this episode, hey, Oops. by the way, the, we, we arrested the guy and he's... In- <laughs> yeah. He was a serial uh, a crime committer. Oh, what? Oh, what? So now it explains why his ex has been acting so mad. Did, did she know it before that? that uh... Yeah. She's known for a couple weeks. Oh, uh, Okay. That's why she started doing that whole thing. Well, that's why she's doing the thing with the child support. Yes. And uh, you know, we're going to take your she's kid like, away from you. She's like, she knows that she thought he was lying. He didn't know. What an ugly way for like the police to use Colin Farrell, though. Why do they, I guess, why do they want him back on the force so bad? He's not even really that good. They know he's corrupt. And they're just like, hey, why don't you come back to the force and we'll put in a good word for you with the judge. Well, they said he And make knows, sure you don't lose your kid. He knows Vinci. He knows Vinci. That's the deal. He's, they know he's tied in with Vinci and he can do it. And they use him. They're like, well, get your kid back. I mean, it's look. I guess, but I mean, like, what what is Colin Farrell going to provide for them? Like, what are they getting uh, out of the deal? Here's what Colin, he knows Vinci because he's corrupt. Here's what he does know them. Here's what Colin Farrell is going to provide. He's going to provide a massive beatdown on that plastic surgeon that oh, didn't yeah. want to give up any info. I, I think, hey, guess who's going to need more plastic surgery? That guy. <laughs> I was actually watching when I'm watching that scene where he goes to uh, uh, confront the plastic surgeon in the office. That was the a plas- great scene. It was a great scene, and Colin Farrell's basically like, "Look, I've got this bat out. I'm ready to do stuff." I, in my brain, I'm like, "This plastic surgeon is completely misrepresenting what this entire situation is. This guy does not understand what's about to happen because the whole time he the does plastic not surgeon know does, how desperate this guy yeah, is. He doesn't actually think Colin Farrell is going to do anything to him. He honestly is like, "Oh, you're all bluster. You're hey. all no. He's not. Hey, he's you know, going to hurt you. Hey, Ray. He brought a Freud to a gunfight. Am I right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he a hundred percent did." Uh, it's just driving. It's, it's like even when Colin Farrell's like got the bat out and he's gone behind the desk and he's standing over him. The plastic surgeon's leaning back in his chair, basically like, "Well, I know you're not going to do it." Wham! <laughs> just absolutely annihilates him. Change the care. Change the <laughs> care to change your statement, sir. Yeah. Uh, I, Colin Farrell actually, for all things considered, was actually very nice to the plastic surgeon. Oh, he could have been way. He worse. could have been way worse. Although to we him. don't know what happened at the end. <laughs> that plastic we, surgeon may maybe six feet under. But the fact that he he didn't lead with the baseball bat to the side of the head, he led with the backhand to to kind of startle him. I don't know. To me, that was Colin Farrell playing nice. And, and then and then the whole deal, yeah, I don't even know what was going on with that. But let's go back to, because you mentioned earlier the, the, the scene with John Carter, the motorcycle cop, going to his mom's house. Now, this is like Lolita Davidovich. criminal money, right? Like, yeah. it's 20 grand that he got ill-gotten gains. Because I think to myself, why didn't you just put it in a bank or a bank? Uh, he earned it in his own box? way, though. He earned it in his own way. He said he earned it in Iraq. Yeah, in his own way. In his own way. Like, w- 
Was this ill-gotten money? I assume that it was. I assume that it was. That's why it's hidden. But still, still his money. You could hide it in a safe deposit box at a bank. If you I'm steal just a saying. car and then you have the car, theoretically it's your car, even though it's stolen, right? I earned it. Yeah. I stole it. Right. But, like, why? of all the people he's going to stash his money with, again, there are, like, legitimate. He could have just gotten, like, a well, storage but, locker. But who goes, who goes through other people's stuff, man? Moms with gambling problems. That are known by the character involved. It's not like she surprised him because he even says, like, where'd the money? Where'd you lose it? It's the slot machines. Yeah, that was a dumb idea to not put it somewhere, like, in the bank. Like, There's, he could have put it there, like, 2000 a month or something. Off the, not even 2000 a month. It was twenty grand. i am just saying he could have put 2000 in every month. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're like, saying. Oh, this is, I'm, I'm working construction. He wouldn't pay 2000 a month yeah. to store it somewhere. No, that no, would, no. That would go pretty That's quick. That's not what I said. <laughs> That's what I heard. Hmm. Doesn't I mean said, that put two thousand a month yeah. in the bank and that's not suspicious. Then, that's correct. Yeah. Or even just five hundred, like whatever. Or maybe if you move somewhere else, maybe you take it with you. Or you know your gambling problem, gambling addicted, uh, alcoholic mom who doesn't respect you. Where's the money? Oh, maybe. Where's the money? Slots. <laughs> slots. He goes. <laughs> he hates the slots. Well, what do slots ever do to him? Right. Other than take his twenty grand. <laughs> the cans. He hates these cans. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It's not so much the slots that bother me. It's the crank. It's the crank that operates them. Drives me nuts. Harful tunnel waiting to happen. Reminds me of this guy I knew in Iraq. I thought, I Yikes! Mean, yeah, did they do a lot on the main uh, crime this week? No. Not really. Not but, really anything. But we got a lot of great, well, they did do some stuff. Well, I was reading a really interesting article last night that basically said, I guess it was this morning, and it, it essentially said, the, the, the writer of True Detective, I think, he loves these flawed characters maybe a little bit more than the rest of us do. So he keeps dwelling in their, like, poopy, poopy, been chewed up and spit out backstories and just keeps forgetting that it's True Detective and keeps forgetting that there's supposed to be this, this figuring out a crime element to it. And he's focused, like, 90% on their backstories and 10% on the crime. And not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but after what season one gave to us, we're, we're sort of expecting a little bit more of a... Uh, uh, a breakdown of that. True detective. Just because it's called true detective doesn't mean they have to be like, oh, well, we have to do we're focus on the detecting part of it. It would just be nice, not even focused on the detective part, but just you know, it's like if there are episodes of it. Cheers when they're not at Cheers and they're like, oh, but they weren't at Cheers the what, whole time. What episode of Cheers were they not at Cheers at all? There are ones when they're at. I'm just saying, if there was one, people would be like, oh, they're not at Cheers. Every, well, why aren't they drinking at the bar? I think that's a bad. Example. I don't care if Sam's on a date somewhere else. I want them in the bar. But here's the deal: Sam would go on that date, and then they would come back. To the bar, yeah, but you wouldn't learn more about the bar. Cheers. I mean, I don't know. I just think, look, True Detective is like almost saying like Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is like a genre, yes. And a lot of times, the what's important, what's what's interesting about those genres is learning how flawed the 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 hard boiled detective is. Right? Well, Say if it's a hard boiled detective thing, you're learning yes. about all their backstory. Why are they this bitter? Why is you know to me? But that's like, not. But the Maltese Falcon is still about the case. L.A. Confidential was about the case, you know? That's nice, but those are individual movies. But they're part of the same genre, and they, they, they you learn about the flawed characters through his discovery of this case. I mean, we still... And we've just forgotten the case. We did still learn, do stuff about the case, they, because they, we, remember, we, we fast-forwarded, like, several months. Yeah, how, how far was it? What, what did we fast-forward, do you think? I thought, I thought it was, like, five months. Was it five like, months? Something like that. Because I thought it was much less than that, but yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe, I couldn't th- really maybe tell. Maybe three months. It said somewhere. I, I thought it was like a month, but I guess like yeah. a lot. that's a lot to change. I thought it said like a couple months later. I mean, it must have been a long time because you figure it takes Colin Farrell that long to shave that mustache. Shave the mustache. That's yeah. like three months minimum. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he, he probably just stopped showing up to work so he could shave. Right. He, and, and now he's working for Vince Vaughn again. 
But Rachel McAdams working in the evidence room? Well, but she found some stuff in the evidence room, too. She, got she those, did. She got those. Now, we're saying there's nothing on those things. She found those pictures of the guy that's running for, he's a state senator. Right. At the sex parties. Right. That's the thing we found out. Th- that is correct, but I'm not really sure how that ties into the, the guy with his wiener blown off, with, who stole well, five, Vince $5 million. I'm sure it's going to tie in somehow. I, I sure hope so, because there's a part of me that doesn't think it's going to. And by the way, what happened to the guy that owned the club? You know, Vince Vaughn's girlfriend's looking for him. Where'd he go? Hmm, can't tell I think you. he went on vacation. You know what? Probably there's a gaming uh, board game championship coming Probably. up. He went out of town for Did a he week. he go to Comic-Con and then he's just he doing, the, uh, Comic-Con. doing the Comic-Con circuit in different states now? <laughs> it's 100% true. Um, yeah, so she finds that. And then there's the bit with the blue diamonds, and they're going around trying to ask people about these blue diamonds. That's interesting, because that's all re- relates to the case, right? And you said it's, there was nothing about the case. I, it sort of does, but no, we don't... It completely no, no, here's does. The deal. We don't know exa- exactly why it relates to the case. Okay, but it they're does relate to the They're just following leads that may or may not pay off. Okay, well, isn't that what police work is? Following leads, and then finally you find the right lead? That's the same thing that happened in the first season of True Ticket. They went on all these wild goose chases with people that weren't involved, and then all of a sudden at the end, like, oh, it's the guy that mowing the lawns? Spoiler alert! Yeah. Well, that spaghetti scars on his face called that as soon as we met that guy, <laughs> to be fair, they put way too much time in this guy we've never met before for Mowing us to think that he's not yet lawnmower. that he's not going to come back later. Yeah, um, I guess. But I guess I don't feel like I've got a handle on what I this like case is. Watch, I understood the yellow. I want King you to go stuff. back and watch season one because people are saying the same stuff they said about season one and season two. And then at the end of season one, they're like, it was brilliant, even though I complained about it for six weeks. I think it was the opposite. I thought that they loved it. And then they were complaining about episode, the final episode. No, that was me. Oh, okay. that was me. That was me and you. Yeah, because <laughs> we loved the whole the, the whole but journey. I still, I've loved this, but I season. felt like I had a handle on what was going on. And when they were giving us these little false leads and stuff, it was like, oh, maybe this southern guy, you know, uh, who's doing the cover up of all the bad child stuff, uh, maybe that'll tie. And it didn't really. It sort of tied in, but sort of didn't. But it was okay. Here, it's just it's like there's just so much going on and so many different like plot things. Each character has like two different backstories going on at the same time. And then we're meant to follow that and this case that isn't really like piecing together very well. I don't know. I, I see where the complaints are coming from. I do like it though a lot better than what other people who are complaining online do. How, Let me just say that out loud. How about the uh, how about they showed that torture chamber man that they found and there's, yeah. there's like a bunch of blood and stuff there? It's hot. That was nasty. Mm. What about now? What was up with the two foreign dudes who showed up at Vince Vaughn's bar to like say we want a piece of the action? <laughs> and this dude who's like he's wearing the black suit, the cowboy hat, and the sunglasses, and he's about six inches too short to make that look look menacing. Yeah, <laughs> I think like well, that's the, I mean I think that's an interesting thing is like the the creator of the show uh, is not he's not worried about like bringing somebody in and us being like who is that because I mean if if you're uh, to me it puts it in a more reality based correct situation because. In reality, there's probably a hundred guys like that that are coming after Vince Vaughn all the time, and right. we're not going to know who they all are. He might not even know who they are. He doesn't know who these guys oh, are. Oh, you're that little kid that I gave a, a nickel to when he was ten, and now you're grown up. I did not know that. Oh, great! I'm glad you remembered. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> that like, makes one of us. So it makes you feel like nobody is safe at any time. To me, like, well, I thought nobody was safe at any time, but then they shot Colin Farrell point blank twice, and then pulled it back eh, and it was said, "Buckshot." Eh, they didn't really shoot him with buckshot. Nah. Yeah, you know what? They could have really he was like, hey. I like this guy's stash. Man. Put in the buckshot. Yeah, they could have really done something memorable with that, and then they just chose not to. Why is that? You know what I mean? Because he was we, the most interesting character in the show. When we unmask that guy, who's it going to be? You know what I mean? Is it going to be somebody that's like, ah, I didn't want to kill you, dude? You know what I mean? It I'm going to be. Yeah, I'm going to guarantee right now, when that guy gets unmasked and we find out what's going on here, it's going to be somebody we don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> From like episode two. Could be. But 
I don't know. It, there's so many characters, and there's so it's just so much. It's so muddy. Yeah. And that I, that's my biggest issue with it right now is I wish it was just a little bit more of a clear I just, narrative. I just, Not even that I, much more of look, a clear narrative. I agree with you. It is a little confusing, but I love these characters, man. I think these characters I do. are so great. You know, my wife, Melissa, she brought up an interesting point as to why the characters weren't hitting her as much as Woody and uh, um, Woody yeah. and Matthew uh, the previous season. And, and I thought it was a good point to make. I think I would make it here. And that's that these are characters who are fundamentally flawed mm-hmm. and everything is going bad for them. And they're basically in the toilet this entire time. But what we got to see is those same characters in Woody and Matthew McConaughey in season one. See them in the toilet just like these guys are here. Mm-hmm. But we got to flash back to where they were like you know, getting stuff done and doing a good job. And we got to flash back to when they were like genuine BAs mm-hmm. running around, like taking care of stuff. And we just don't, we don't ever get to see that. Where's the moment where we get to see Colin Farrell, like really like doing some good police work or really like, you know, helping somebody or just, I guess when, does, I when still... did anybody here on this show save the cat? But we know, but we know that he's a good guy. Is Deep he down? We yeah. don't know that he's a good guy. Really? Then why is he raising this kid that he knows isn't his? Uh, because it's his last tethering to like a decent uh, thing in life. Yeah, he, he, that's him being a good guy. And he called, this, but then he called the kid a fat P five, and love. then beat up some adult in front of his kid. And then he calls his son a fat P five, and then beats up this mm, other guy, and then he beats up this other dude. Not a misunderstanding. He's out of control. He beat up the He's guys to protect his kid. He did beat up the guys to protect his. How kid. did beating up that dad help his kid? The, the kid's uh, kid's still going to get bullied. He's exactly. still a fat P five at the end of the day. He he, he might not bully gonna beat him. up he every might, dad might, in the neighborhood. He might not bully him again. He's like, hey, don't bully that kid. I just you see how I almost got killed. I don't I don't believe he actually. That was for him. That wasn't for his kid. Let's not make oh. not make illusions come about see, it. Come see, You know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Come see, come saw. Yeah, that's that where right. we're going with that. That's right. Fair enough. Anyway, we'll, I mean, we got three episodes to go Potato, in this Potato. season. He did it. The result is he probably won't get bullied as much. Uh, to me. Yeah. That makes him a better guy. Uh, I don't know. I think he wants to be a good guy. I think he's got, he had a sh- bad childhood himself. <laughs> assuredly. And he wants to do good by this kid, and that's why he's so desperate to like, but, and he's also frustrated that. You he's know, super he, frustrated, because yeah. nothing in life is going well. Right. Uh, I, here's but your... I still get that he was a good guy, because he, he raised that kid, and he knew, he pretty much knew it wasn't his kid. I mean, 100%. look at the kid. Come on, really. Uh, and, you know, Rachel McAdams. You know, I, I don't think we have to like. You know, we've heard enough about uh, the one guy's backstory. Uh, oh, what's his name? John Carter. We've heard enough about John Carter, Carter's backstory that we know he got messed up in Iraq and yeah. this other stuff. So we don't. I don't need to flash back to see that. I know that. No, but I'd like happened. to flash back to see why I should like. But a think he's is, a decent person. A flashback is not. A, but it's not a convention that's used in every show. No, that is correct. I would guess I would just like to, even if it's not a flashback, I'd like to see one reason why I should not. I should want this guy to have a good life. Like, everybody on this show is broken. Because they're all worse off than we are, and so we should hope for them to become better. And they're all, you know... Yeah, but the same is true about Maury Povich and Jerry Springer. Those people are all worse off than we are. We're not necessarily hoping they get closure in their relationships. Those guys are happy. They're getting paid by Maury. Maury, Maury, They get a free trip to Stanford, Connecticut. They're happy, especially when they hear, you are not the father. (laughs) Or the ladies are happy when they say, you are the father. Oh, yeah, they're very excited. (laughs) They're they're twerking right there on stage. It's exciting. I don't know. I guess give me a save the cat moment for any one of the four main characters of this show, and I would feel a little bit bad. I'd have somebody I could follow around and be like, all right, that guy's okay. I see some redeeming qualities in all of them. I mean, what's his name wants to do right by the kid? He's like, oh, he's fighting that he's 
he has it's you feel bad because he's like he's closeted gay he's like oh i so don't want to have that label that i'm going to like marry this lady i mean it's just like but then he's gonna marry her and then she's pregnant with his kid Mm -hmm. and it's he's gonna be miserable in life if he follows that path i know he's trying to but that's but he's trying to be someone he's not isn't that what happens in life a lot right yes okay well it's depressing that's what i think it's 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 hyper realistic and that's what i like about it Oh, fair enough. Uh, anyway, we, we've gone a little bit long. So uh, we're just going to come back. We're going to wrap up the show after three seconds of Buick. I told you. And that's going to do it for us this week. Episode 102 in the books of Raisin Brenton. You weren't with me. You were staring off into space. I'm just looking at the baseball standings. It's just like, I just, it's amazing. Well, I mean, you, you, you need some, some joy after 30 years. Oh, uh, no, not really. We were in the World Series last year. So, okay. So, and then after... we're good again. And then we also had a winning record the year before. This is actually three years in a row we've had a good team. Man. So, after that, well, yeah, you were bragging about your four division titles in a row after how many years in a row do you guys suck? Uh, about 15. Yeah. Okay. About half of a. Okay, 15. But <laughs> let's live in the now, man. Living in the now. Yeah. Who's uh, under 500 now? Here's the deal yeah. uh, we had four division wins in a row, and you've had still none. Yeah, and so yet, get one and, and yet, then brag. We still have three more wins in the World Series than you guys have during that time, which is what the real stage is all about: is getting the World Series and winning games, and hopefully winning four. We only won three, but yeah, not getting swept. Definitely. Well, I, I think we've talked about this to death, but uh, I'd rather be swept than lose in game seven. Not me. <laughs> well, I don't know. I didn't even want to troll you after game seven. Because you can play what if. if yeah, I don't like, want to play what if. Detroit's like what if? Uh, what if we had a better team? Uh, what if we were better in the World Series? So, question. Yes. Where is Cespedes going to end up? He's getting traded, I think. Well, David Price is a dog named Astro, so clearly he's going to the Astros. I have not found out yet. I'm doing some research here. We've got Hobo Bo on it. Uh, Hobo our, Bo our, will get on the case, Hobo too. Bo will get on the case. Find out what Ioannis Cespedes' dog is named, well, and then we'll find out where he's going. By next week, it'll be like a day away from the trade deadline, so we should have some answers. Uh, you know what? We should get Hobo Bo back on the show. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've had him on. Yeah. Maybe dig through some uh, some trash he's cans. Hilarious. He's all like, <laughs> like he's yeah. like, Aah. he's kind of funny sounding. Yeah, but uh, he does he does good detective work. He does true detective work for us. God, would you pay to see a series, a true detective, all about Hobo Bo? Yes, yes. I would pay my own money yes. to get this done. A homeless detective that uses his street smarts, street smarts to outsm- uh, outsmart the criminals. Mm-hmm. I like this. Yeah. So next episode, we'll have Hobo Bo tell us where everybody's going. Okay. Sounds good to me. If we can get him, if we can find him. Well, that's the hard part. He doesn't yeah. carry a phone or nothing. We just have to kind <laughs> of like, got to drive around the neighborhood and just ask questions with a picture. You seen Hobo Bo? Yep. Yeah. Like a month ago. Yeah. That's the problem. Everybody's seen him like a we're month ago. We're going to have to do some true detective work. You know what? Let's get it done. Him. Let's all get right. it done. We're going to prove that we're better true detectives than Rachel McAdams. Okay. Or all week, let's just flash back uh, so we learn more about ourselves. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Let's do that. Well, you know what? We'll probably have more positive moments. <laughs> as long as we focus on the case at some point. What if they're not flashing back because it was even worse back then? It could be. <laughs> like, you know what? You know, I'm saving you guys from their... Yeah, I'm not even showing you the really dark stuff. Yikes. Let's keep it PG-13, guys. <laughs> In any case, that's episode 102. I am Ray. and I'm this is Brent. That's Brent. I just assumed you yeah, were not going to say anything, right. so I was going to fill in the gaps for and you. This is the show... I was trying to say both voices at the same time by cupping my... No, I didn't think you were going to do it. Wow. You know, based on history of you not responding, that would have been a crazy thing for me to think. I do it because it's funny for you to say it by yourself. Yeah, thank you. All right, let's do it now. Let's do it now. Let's not do it now. You've just listened to episode 102 of... 
Yeah. Raising Brent. Thank you. And I'm Ray. And I'm Brent. Thank you. And this is the contact information. Uh, guys, go on iTunes. Give us five stars. Uh, Ray, Ray Brent Podcast at gmail.com. Go to RayBrentPodcast.com or Facebook.com slash Ray Brent Podcast. Uh, best ways to find us, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Almighty Ray. And I'm at Scoops Pope. Or you can tweet at the show at Ray Brent Podcast. Now we got some people we want to thank. Got to thank Jeremy Buck and The Bang. The Trainwrecks. Got to thank The Trainwrecks. Got to thank, of course, Jordan Monsell. Not sell me some art. Uh, loved his uh, Steampunk Batman versus Steampunk Super. Superman mm-hmm. that he did. Uh, that was very, very fun. Yeah. Just put that out there. Still what's by Jordan on Facebook. Go visit it. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. Good artist. He's awesome. Got to thank David Knoll, our producer. Dino. No passion with that one. Dino. Huh? I'm trying to get his attention. Dino. Dude, that's why he's not responding. Nobody oh, calls wait. him Dino. Dino. There he goes. Now he's watching. Now he's just mad at you now. Yeah. He likes it. You like Dino, huh? No, he clearly does not. Yes. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. Uh, anybody else you want to thank, Brent? Uh, Neftali Feliz. Yeah, well, oh, I know why, but why? He's, uh, because all around Detroit now, teams are uh, changing the restaurants are changing the names of their Grand Slam to the Feliz. You know, because Grand Slams make you happy. Well, they'll do in a pinch. Does Feliz make you feel Feliz? Pinch Does he make you feel happy? No. Hmm. Good night, everybody. You're gonna have to drag me out in chat